Kevin. Uh, thank you for your welcome, uh, not just from the front, but so many people came up to me and said it's lovely to see you again. So keep encouraging people like that. It really is good for a visiting preacher to receive a welcome like that. Uh, I bring you um, love and blessings from Norwich Central Baptist Church. We're without the pastor at the moment. So we'll be approaching Steve after the service. <laughs> I don't know what the transfer fee will be like. Pretty big, I would think. <laughs> Sorry? We can't have him. Okay. I would understand that. Some of you would recognize the lyrics of this song. Money, money, money. It must be funny in the rich man's world. Money, money, money. Always sunny in the rich man's world. Some of you are singing that to yourselves quietly. That Abba song from yesteryear. And our PowerPoint will come up in a moment. I trust. Which one do I press? Are we there? Good. I wonder if you recognize these three men and what they have in common. There we have Mark Zuckerberg. He founded Facebook. Next we have George Soros. He was the, well he is a retired founder of Soros Fund Management. And then we have Bill Gates, co-founder of Microsoft now focuses much of his time on philanthropy. I want just to look for a moment at their net worth and their donations. Mark Zuckerberg, his lifetime donations so far amount to 1.6 billion pounds. His net worth is apparently 40.7 billion pounds. George Soros, lifetime donations, 8 billion pounds. Net worth, 24.4 billion pounds. Bill Gates, lifetime donations, 27 billion pounds. Can we imagine what 27 billion pounds looks like? His net worth is 84.2 billion pounds. just want to look for a moment at what has been described as their generosity index. How generous are they? Well, Mark Zuckerberg has a generosity index of 4%. He has given away 4% of his lifetime earnings. George Soros, his generosity index is 33%. And Bill Gates, his generosity index is 32%. Today I want to talk about living generously. This message is sandwiched between Steve's messages on sex part one and sex part two. <laughs> I'm not sure how that works. Actually, speaking about money is a challenging subject for any pastor to give to their own congregation. 
I want to look in uh, giving in a broad context and ask three very simple questions. Why should I give? How should I give? And how much should I give? Why should I give? I don't want us to run away with the idea that it's only Christians, only followers of Lord Jesus Christ who give. Uh, Many people of other faiths and no faith at all give, some of them sacrificially to good causes and charities. But I want to look at Christian giving from uh, the Christian perspective. What is it that makes Christian giving different? First of all, giving is an act of worship. As people put their money into that offertory box on the way in, it was an act of worship. And the Apostle Paul says, I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. He thanks the Christians in Philippi for the money that they've given to support him in his ministry. And he says that their act of giving was an act of worship. You should always remember that when we give to God, that is part of our worship. Secondly, giving is a reflection of God's character. Apostle Paul says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. We are to imitate God. We are to reflect something of the character of God. God is a God of love and we are to reflect his love to others. I find it easy to love some people. I find it quite a challenge to love others. If we're going to reflect God's love, we should love one another. We should reflect God's forgiveness to one another. And we should reflect God's generosity as we give to him. God's a generous God. He's a a large-hearted God. And he wants his children to reflect his character. Somebody once said, you can give without loving but you can't love without giving. Giving is a reflection of God's character. Giving is the antidote to materialism. 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 we read, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but have put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. You don't really need me to tell you that our society is consumed with consuming. Advertisements make us feel incomplete and discontent until we've succumbed and we bought the latest product. Arthur Gish in his book Beyond the the Rat Race says this, we buy things we do not need to impress people we do not like. (laughs) 
Can I just remind us that materialism isn't just about spending money on things. Materialism is also about spending time with things. So giving is the antidote to materialism. Giving is an investment for eternity. 1 Timothy 6 verse 19 in the Living Bible by doing this you'll be storing up real treasure for yourselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. How often do we hear or read that your investments may go up or down? <coughs> Giving to God is the only safe investment we will make. We're not saying it's wrong to invest money but many people spend money investing in this life and forget that one day it will all belong to somebody else. The answer to the question, how much did he leave or how much did she leave, is always the same. They left everything. Giving is an investment for eternity. When we give to God, it's an eternal investment with eternal results, which, while we live on this earth, we may not see. Someone said giving isn't a debt we owe, it's a seed that we sow. Giving is an investment for eternity. Let's move on to the next question. How should I give? I'm not convinced, I, I'm to be persuaded that God is only just concerned with the amount of money we give. I believe God is as concerned with our heart, with our motivation in giving. We should give willingly. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 Each person should give what he or she has decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. What was the attitude, what was the response of those Macedonian believers on hearing the, new, uh, the news about the needs of the poor in Jerusalem? Verse 4, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. They gave willingly. Their giving was voluntary. It was spontaneous. It was out of grace. Not a response to pressure. You may have heard the story about the song, uh, strongman at the circus sideshow. He would demonstrate his power for about half an hour uh, and his last act was to take a lemon and squeeze that lemon till every juice came out of that lemon. He then said to the audience, I'm going to offer £100 to anyone who can squeeze one more drop out of that lemon. Well, a thin, scrawny old man stepped forward, took hold of the lemon, squeezed hard and managed to get two drops out of that lemon. The strong man was amazed. He said, I've been doing this act for 15 years. Tonight is the first time I've had to pay out. He said to the little man, he said, what's the secret of your strength? 
practice, said the old man. I've been a church treasurer for 35 years. <laughs> now, I did have a quiet word with Dorothy beforehand. God does not want to squeeze money out of us. He wants us to be willing, open-hearted, and open-handed. How should I give? Willingly, cheerfully. For God loves a cheerful giver. Many of you will know that the word cheerful is where we get the word hilarious from. Somebody has said there are three types of giving. There's grudge giving, duty giving, and thanksgiving. How do we feel when we give to God? As we give with the right motive, we're putting a smile on the face of God. Do we have a smile as we give? We're to give cheerfully. We're to give generously. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 2 Out of the most severe trial their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty wells up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. These Macedonians were very poor. The, the Greek word translated extreme poverty means that it was rock bottom uh, destitution they were beggars with absolutely nothing I guess many of you have visited poverty stricken areas of the world uh, my first experience of that was in a place called Yash in Romania people in desperate severe poverty yet out of their hearts sprang up a willingness to give generously to us that is so humbling so humbling people have got so little but willing to share with you they gave as much as they were able even beyond their ability what a testimony just want as we talk about this subject of giving uh, to mention that God is concerned for the poor and the needy Deuteronomy 15.11 I command you to be open-handed towards your brothers and sisters and towards the poor and needy. Psalm 9 verse 18 But God will never forget the needy. The hope of the afflicted will never perish. God has a concern for the poor and for the needy. And I'm sure as a church that you respond to that need whether it's locally or whether it's somewhere across the world. Which brings us to Matthew, chapter 6, verse 1. I knew we'd get there. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do. Truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Notice in the passage, Jesus says, when you give. When you give. Not if you give, but when 
you give. There were three main uh, Jewish practices. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Jesus expected his disciples to give to the needy when you give. He also expected his followers to pray when you pray. He also expected his followers to fast, which will probably come after the talk on sex. I don't know. (laughs) When you fast. Fasting is a biblical principle. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that, but that's not my subject for today. Jesus says we're to give secretly, without fanfare. Do not announce it with trumpets. It's teaching, again, that our motives for giving must be wholesome and must be pure. We're to give without drawing attention to ourselves, unlike the Pharisees, made a great show of their supposed generosity. You remember the instant with... um, the widow who gave her two mites, the Pharisees had given their vast amounts of money. She gave the least, but she gave the most. She gave the least, but she gave all that she had. The Pharisees, well, they made a great show. Jesus describes them as hypocrites. They did the right thing they gave, but for the wrong reasons. Then he says, uh, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. This is Jesus, and he sometimes does this. He exaggerates the point to make it, to drive it home. It's, uh, it's hyperbole, if you like. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Our giving should be in secret. Then he says, your Father in heaven who sees what he's done in secret, will reward you. Our pride, our selfish nature, often wants other people to think the best of us. Like the Pharisees, we sometimes want praise on earth. Jesus doesn't talk about praise on earth. He talks about a reward in heaven. Your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. We have to give secretly. Then we come to the biggie. How much should I give? Giving is a private matter between you and God. I was a full-time pastor for almost 30 years. Nobody ever came up to me and said, Paul, how much should I keep of my income? It was always, how much should I give? We should give in proportion to our income. On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his or her income. The more we receive, the more we should give. I just want to spend a moment talking about the biblical principle of tithing. 
this is a subject that sometimes Christians disagree on. And I'm not wanting to cause problems. But in the Old Testament, we read that one-tenth of a person's income was to be given to God. It was a tithe. And we read in Leviticus 27.30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. But I do think it's useful to check up on our giving to work out what a tithe would be in practice. What a tithe of our income would be in practice. See how our giving compares with that figure. Oops. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8, just as you excel in giving, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love to us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. The more we have, the more we should give. 10% is a good guideline. If somebody came up to me, a new Christian, uh, how much should I give? Uh, I would talk about a tithe. But a tithe is not mandatory. It's not obligatory. It's not compulsory. And I'm aware that people's financial situations, they change. Where you have a Christian in a household with a partner who is not a Christian, we need to be aware that giving can be a complex issue. Some have said that tithing isn't a ceiling to stop at, but a floor to move from. Here's a thought as I draw to a close. If God gave you 10%, sorry, if God gave you 10 times what you give him, would you be able to live on it? Which leads me into saying, here's an opportunity to reflect on our giving. God may be saying to you, yeah, I do need to think about giving more. Just form an orderly queue and Dorothy will take your, take your money and your promises. Rick Warren said, you make a living by what you get. You make a life by what you give. Let's go back to our friends again. Generosity index of 4% for Zuckerberg. 33% for Soros. 32% for our friend, excuse me, Bill Gates. I just leave you with a question. What is your generosity index? May the Lord bless you as you consider your giving. May we be people who are generous God's been generous with us. May we be open-hearted and open-handed as we give to the work of the Lord in this place and beyond. Amen. Can I invite the musicians to return? I think we've got a final song. Thank you.